This is a Sport Australia podcast production. Hello and welcome to our coaching and officiating podcast series. My name is Cam Trudell and I'm the project lead for coaching and officiating at Sport Australia. Over this series, we will look at what it takes to modernise Australia's coaching and officiating system. Each podcast, we will be joined by a special guest who will share experiences and practical tips on their topics. Today, we are joined by one of Australia's premier officials, Australian football referee Kate Jakovic. Kate's refereeing journey commenced by chance one day when she was asked to pick up the whistle for a match that her brother was playing in. Prior to that event, Kate had been an avid football player. Since making her way into officiating, Kate has refereed at the highest levels, including Australia's W League, the A League, the FIFA World Cup and Olympics. Kate, thanks for joining us today. Thank you for having me, Cam. Can you just give us a bit of insight to what sports did you play and then how did this journey start? Well, I originally am from Gold Coast on the Queen, on, in Queensland. Um, I was a swimmer to start with. My mum, obviously, being in Queensland, wanted us to learn to swim. And I had two young male friends, um, like family friends, and they both played football. And anything that they did, I wanted to do. So I, I pestered mum to join a football team, the local football team, which is uh, Mudgeba Junior Soccer Club. That was my club for 15 or so years. Um, and I remember my first game was for my brother, actually, my younger brother, whose little mini ruse, ruball referee never showed up at a, an away club. And mum was like, oh, Kate's here. She can do it. So I, I got to run around for you know, my first game, um, you know, unpaid, that type of thing, because it was at a, another club. But, you know, I, I really, really loved it. And, you know, I loved football. And I, I guess I loved reflecting back on it now. I guess what I really loved about it was the, like, analytics of of a game of football and, you know, being, like, the decision-making and the thinking around football. Like me as a 13-year-old girl didn't understand that but you know retrospectively now I can see what drew me to it and just remembering my thoughts around you know just being involved seeing the game unfold around me the emotions um you know the excitement of the kids um you know a game of football is like a I don't know a really good tv drama right um it's got everything and you get to experience the highs and lows of both teams um yeah, that's me as a 30-something-year-old now being able to reflect on it. But as a 13-year-old kid, I just just loved the game and loved being involved in it. Um, so mum took me to my first like um, level, like entry-level referee course. She did it with me. And from there, I just refereed every Saturday uh, at my junior club. I was still playing at the time. So I refereed, I played, I coached uh, until a certain point where you know, people in football where I was starting to make a name for myself, they're like, you know, you have to give up something. And I'm like, well, I don't really want to. Um, I definitely wasn't going to give up playing because that's my first love. Um, so I gave up coaching to pursue refereeing. Um, and that's when I got invited to state titles in Queensland and then I got invited on to um, national titles and just the career snowballed from there. That's a cool story. And, and so you went from player, I'm guessing, on Saturday and refereeing on Sunday sort of thing. Is that right? 
Yeah, well, on the Gold Coast, I was playing in the, the women's competition on a Monday night. So the girls and women's played Monday nights. I was still playing with the boys up until I was 17 years of age. So we got to play Friday nights and then Saturday mornings was my um, Saturday and Sundays was when I was able to whistle in the junior competitions and then be an assistant referee in the in the men's senior competitions until I worked my way up until when I whistled in the, the senior men competitions. It's always an interesting mix, isn't it, between you say your true love's playing and yet refereeing clearly is a love. But those two things sometimes don't go hand in hand is playing and refereeing. How do you find the importance of you understanding the game really well from the player's perspective and how that assists or helps your refereeing? Yeah, I think, you know, I'm not, I'm not saying that uh, every referee needs to play the game, but I think it serves, um, you know, and as, as an advantageous skill, I guess, um, you know, understanding the, the emotions of a player, the frustrations of a player, the ins and outs of a game, um, being a player and a player for so long who played in the middle of the field, like so the midfield, the referee's movements is, is quite, quite similar as well um, to, a, to a midfielder. So you're able to, you, you can read the play, you know when the ball's going to go long, you know when there's a press, you need to press, um, you know when generally nine times out of ten when there's going to be a miss kick because just the way the player is facing, there is no way they're going to be able to play the ball where they want to play. So it certainly gives you, um, you know, a lot of insight into into the into the game of football and into players' um, behaviour but also, you know, the way they, that they play the game. So um, I'm really, really grateful um, that I'm able to bring well, those skills that I learned as a player um, transfer into uh, the skills as a, as a referee. It's interesting. You're talking about the emotions and you're talking about the highs and the lows. When you get the lows, how do you deal with that? Is it different from community to performance to how you would deal with it or is it the same process or how do you deal with it? Certainly, I would say there is um, minute differences in, in the way Subtle differences that I that I would you know speak with a community player or you know lower level player versus you know the top players in the world you know playing for the national teams, um, but I think now I'm starting to find my feet at an international level and like my personality is starting to come out. So I'm I'm very much a referee that likes to to use my personality and I like to use a bit of humour. Um, I like to build connections with players on the field. I, I feel that it, like. You know, I want, and when I mean build a connection, it's more like I want to, like I respect them. I respect them at a, on a professional level and I would never talk down to them. Um, but certainly if they're trying to talk down to me, I will then put them in their place and be like, hang on a minute, like your behaviour or your tone right now is, is completely unacceptable or inappropriate. Would you speak this way to, you know, someone serving you coffee or something like this? Um and, you know, try to remind them of the, the human side of, of a referee. Um, I very much take this approach in, in community football or, you know, um, back in Australia, um, you know, trying to connect with, with players uh, on, a, on a human level. But, again, it's the same. I take the same approach, and that is the building the respect from a, a very simple level, I guess. That rapport building can, I guess, help both the referee as well as the players to understand the nuances and the way that you let a game flow. Do you try and set the tone of the game or do you let the players sort of set the tone of the game of, you know, the pace, 
the ferocity or how do you sort of navigate through what sort of game's going to unfold in front of you? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, I 100% let the players do that. Um, it's their game. I'm just a part of it. And, you know, it's I don't want to impact negatively or influence the game um, any more than I need to. Like I'm, I'm there when I, when I need to be, and I'm not there when I don't need to be. I, I'm very much, I, I work in the background. Um, but, but in saying that, you know, when I'm communicating on a field and I'm t- communicating with my team, especially one of the techniques I try to use is uh, I, I kind of speak like I'm speaking to everyone around me, but I'm actually directing the information to my team and being like, right, I'm looking here, make sure you get the other, the, the reverse angle of like, I'm going to be looking at the aerial challenge between these two players. And then those two players, when I say their names, they look at me and they're like, right, she knows exactly what they know exactly what I'm looking at and what I'm directing my team to be looking at as well. Like, all right, I'm expecting possible, you know, hands in the aerial challenge, like, you know, um, them players throwing elbows and that type of thing. So I do it in a way where I, yes, I am directing the game, but I'm trying, you know, it's almost like maximum benefit, minimal interference. I've just stolen that from, you know, VAR philosophy. Um, But that's the way I try to operate as a a referee as well. Like it's their game. I'm a part of it, but I'm certainly going to try to facilitate this match to the best of my ability so we can maximise the most out of this game. At the community level, a lot of the time there are people who are good enough to stick their hand in the air to help you on the side. How do you communicate to those people and make them feel like, one, they're part of what you're doing, but that they belong and they're important? Have you got any methods that you use? Now, as I guess an established uh, referee, um, I do it this way. Back when, you know, 15, 10, 15 years ago, I probably didn't. Maybe I didn't have the confidence or the experience, but one thing that I would certainly suggest for you to try is communicate the same way you would communicate with um, a headset on. Um, and I just amplify my voice uh, the same way that we can talk to our team with, um, the, you know, the, the communication system. I still look at my team if I'm, if I'm talking to them as well. So we can use gestures and or, you know, body language, um, facial gestures, and they can see that I'm, looking at them um I mean I remember distinctly one time the the assistant referee couldn't hear me but I could hear them so then I was doing like some gestures back to them to be like right this is what I'm saying type thing to acknowledge that um but in terms of it like you said the advice I would amplify my voice and I would the same way I'd want the players around me to hear it I just put what I want to communicate out into the out out into the world so that my assistant referees would hear me as well because, um, yeah, we're, we're a part of the game and communication is vital, right? So I would um, – that that's how I'd involve my team. It's almost like you're talking to yourself but talking out loud and talking to everyone. But is it what is actually going on in your mind? You're just basically voicing what's happening in your head the whole time. So does it sometimes come out like you're a little bit of commentating? Yeah, we do have to describe what we see. And I've been fortunate enough, that's the, my style of refereeing anyway. So the change hasn't really been too significant for me. If a player asks me, like, 
you know, what was that for? I'd be like, well, you know, it was, it was this for this. And they're like, oh, that's what you saw. I'm like, look, I'm just telling you what I see. I'm only calling what I'm seeing. Like I'm not a referee that would be like, you know, um, I'm not, I'm not one that like kind of commentates and coaches the players. Like, don't do this, don't do that, don't do this. Like, and like, there are some referees that will, yeah, like it's almost like a, a coach out there being like, look, easy, easy, hands down, hands down, like this type of thing. You know, players are players. They'll, you know, they'll either listen to you or they won't. That's their choice. But, you know, in terms of what information is critical that, or like is, um, you know, advantageous, I guess, or is helpful. Um, yeah, that's the type of information that I like to provide. So it almost is in a way I am talking out loud, but it's, it's information that is, is critical to, I guess, the management of the match. Now that you're where you're at or whether you're a great community coach, do you have people that you call on to sort of ask advice or to give you feedback and so on? So two parts is, Who's helped you get to where you are? And then when you are refereeing at whatever level, have you got groups that you sort of lean on to ensure that you're doing a good job and to give you honest feedback? Yeah. Um, well, in the beginning, um, a few names um, pop into my head. Um, one is Alan Kibler, who was the, the referees manager in Queensland. He, I guess, found me um, at that state titles that I spoke to about earlier. And... Then um, Barry Such is another one who is another Queensland referee manager and a, a few others that I'd like to kind of make note of and that is uh, Gary Power, Jenny Bray, Steve Fennick, um, all within the refereeing community down in New South Wales. Um, and, like, I mean, when I was coming through as a teenager and, and in my early 20s, I didn't really know the, the world of refereeing and these are the people that, you know, lit the fire and said that, you know, the world is, is, is out there, like it's the world game. You can travel to all these exotic destinations, whistling football all over the world. Um, and But I didn't really know what that meant until like now I've, I've lived the journey and, and I, can, I can see that. I've got firsthand experience in that. Um, so it's it's nice to like I said look back retrospectively and see uh, what they were talking about and how it's it's come to life or come to fruition. Um, and now uh, the people that I talk to the most are probably my peers, and like I'm fortunate enough that I'm you know a FIFA referee and I'm on the World Cup Canada program and I've got access to you know, some of the best referees from all over the world. And refereeing at an elite level is is quite a, a personal, I, a little bit isolating, but also it's a really unique experience that not a lot of people have that lived experience with. Um, and, and what I mean by that is it's, it's such an intricate, I guess, pathway and and, and lived experience, like what you, the emotions that you feel, the, 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 the learnings that you, you take, the learnings that you not only take professionally but also personally, we all experience in some way, shape or form very similar experiences but, you know, slightly different because we're all different people but and also we're all different cultures and, and different countries as well. So I'm under no illusion that my journey is 
far more privileged than, let's say, someone coming from another country. Um, but, yeah, we all share this unique experience together and, and we have that, like, personal firsthand insight into what it feels like to be an elite referee. So I would say they're my peers um, that I've met along the way. It's really interesting that you talk about it's the same experience because once you're on the pitch, it's the same experience. However, where they've come from is the diversity that they bring. Does that help with regards to providing perspective on different ways that you can manage games? And have they helped you sort of hone your skills? Oh, absolutely. Um, so, for example, I was um, I was I was lucky enough to meet my hero um, in person, and that was Bibiana Steinhaus from Germany. Um, you know, one of the first females in the world to to get to the top in the in men's professional football, and I, you know, was totally you know fangirling at this point. Um, but she is so humble and so kind that, you know, she she didn't really, you know, care about that and, you know, she just wanted to help. Um, so, and she helped in her own way. Like I would never have the courage to be like, hey, Bibi, you know, can you help me do this? It'd be like we'd just be sitting together watching a, a game of football and she'd be like, look, we could do this, this and this. Try doing this this way and, you know, it'll work out much better for you. And I'm just like, oh, wow, like I'd never thought of it that way. So, yeah, definitely um, every, I, refereeing is, is is a bad experience and learning from one another and learning from others, you know, either really, really good decisions or, you know, others' mistakes as well and, and sharing that insight. And that's how we, we grow as individuals. That's how we grow the profession and that's how we grow the game. So, yeah, um, that was that was a really cool experience, and now I can, you know, just just give her a text if if I ever want some other little tips and advice. It's amazing, isn't it, that you've got that? And if you think about your experience there, the next generation coming through for you, the ones that are starting to develop here in Australia or elsewhere in the world, are you starting to find that they're starting to tap into you and your knowledge? Are you starting to have a bit more of a transitional point where you're mentoring others? Yeah, I think so. And, you know, it's almost like you don't realise it until you're there. Um, you know, it's like, Oh, I'm in the process of, you know, the batons being passed to me, but I'm I'm probably the last to know. And what I'm thinking just I'm entering into uh, you know, like a, a general you know discussion or chit-chat or conversation with with another referee that I'm thinking is is my peer actually turns around to be, you know, I'm I almost turn out to be that BB Steinhaus for that that young Kate Jack. Um and yeah, like Sometimes like I, I wish I kind of knew in the moment because I'm like, oh, maybe I should have taken that a little bit more seriously or, you know, maybe maybe I need to um, come up with some, you know, more meaningful stories for them or advice for them. Um, but, no, yeah, it's, it's, it's another learning experience for me. It's part of the journey and, um, you know, I'm, I'm embracing that and really enjoying learning how to impart my knowledge in different ways to, to, like you said, the next gen. It's interesting because sport changes so quickly. So what was sport looked like 20 years ago is very different now. So I'm guessing that knowledge transfer becomes crucial as you're still an active referee 
bringing through the next group who in 2032 with Olympic Games in Brisbane, that skill and knowledge transfer becomes key. What do you see for Australian referees in football? Is it an exciting future? Do you see good changes? Or do you think we're going to need to do more work to develop uh, high-quality officials? Yeah, that's an interesting question, actually. Um, well, as you know, there's the, the 2023 Women's World Cup in Australia and New Zealand as well um, coming up. And what Australia has been good at previously is producing World Cup officials on limited resources. Um, yeah, like, I mean, just to name a few we've got, you know, Tammy Ogston, Jackie Herford, Woz Melksham, um, you know, Alison Flynn and Sarah Ho, not to mention then Mark Shields, Ben Williams, uh, and now Chris Beath. And they're, they're you know, world-class officials and I would have to say coming through the system, the the resourcing and, and development of, of referees um, hasn't probably been where it could have been um, to possibly produce, you know, double or triple the amount of the names that I just that I just said. That doesn't mean that there there hasn't been, but in terms of formalizing and, and streamlining the development, I really believe that if we want the game to grow in Australia that it needs to be a whole game approach and and firstly the recognition that match officials as a whole is ultimately like almost your third national team and you know we're a part of the national competitions whether people like it or not we're, we're part of the game whether people like it or not and if you want the game to grow and develop and you know reach its highest limits you need the match officials skills and abilities to match that as well, to, to move to grow with the game. Uh, if we're left behind, where you you know people are going to be standing there going, well, you know that same narrative and, and rhetoric of oh, you know match officials are, are rubbish or this referee's decision you know cost the game. It's like well, actually, can we, um, you know, actually look at what we've done for for match officials in this country and and have we done enough for them so what I'd really like to see is is building the referee program um for, for football um to be more in line with you know high performance in football as well um because referees and assistant referees we're, we're athletes too we're, we're elite athletes as well and we're, we're competing on the world stage the same as the Socceroos and the Matildas and while it's going to take a, a while, and I understand that with sporting organisations, now I work for one, I understand the, you know, the, the, the things that we have to do to, to, to build that, um, especially a budget. Um, I, I, I really do believe that that will take refereeing or officiating to the next level in Australia. Yeah, that's fantastic. And let's face it, without officials, we don't have sport. Kate, I really appreciate your time this afternoon. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for joining me today. If you'd like to find out more about coaching and officiating or have any feedback or questions, please email us at workforce at My name is Cam Trudell and I look forward to you joining me for the next podcast in the Coaching and Officiating series.